Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. COVID-19 is not just decimating our health and welfare. To quote a colleague who is on today's show, the pandemic is rekindling old controversies in Germany about whether its form of government still makes sense. Senior producer Dina El-Sayed explains. Germany's reputation for efficiency took a beating in the past year as the country muddled its way through wave after wave of the coronavirus pandemic. It took federal and state leaders weeks sometimes to agree on lockdowns and other preventive measures, and even then, state officials often bucked the agreements reached. Meanwhile, the infection cases continued to soar. So did the public's frustration. That led to much sarcasm, like on this German public network NDR show Extra 3, which highlights the quote nonsense of the week. Ganz Deutschland jubelt. The moderator quips, all Germans are cheering about hairdressers finally reopening, and we can really say Germany cuts it off well. That's a euphemism for good performance, and the comedian was playing on the struggles of customers and hairdressers to understand the complex state and federal rules governing salons during the pandemic. Chancellor Angela Merkel ended up losing her patience, too. But she argued with German talk show host Anne Will that she didn't have enough authority to do something about it. Merkel added any real power shift to the federal government would require a constitutional change, something there aren't enough votes for in the German parliament. She added, we are bound together, the states and the federation. Nevertheless, two weeks after her interview, the Federation did take charge and changed the German Infection Protection Act, which granted Berlin more power over states in enforcing coronavirus regulations whenever the pandemic picked up again. The move sparked a debate over Germany's federalist system for the first time since 2006, when the Bundestag passed a law reforming the federal system that emerged following World War II. German press dubbed it Die Mutter aller Reformen, or the mother of all reforms, and it allowed for a clearer separation in responsibilities between the states and the federal government. It limited the veto power of the Bundesrat, which is the legislative body that represents the country's 16 states, and in exchange gave the states more control over issues like education, wages and shop opening times. Merkel said in July 2006, I believe this reform achieved something very important. Citizens will be able to see more clearly who is responsible for our decisions, whether it's the German Bundestag or the states. Whether it makes sense to reform the system again, and whether states or the federal government should be in charge, is what we'll talk about today on Common Ground. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. My guests joining me via Zoom are Bloomberg opinion columnist Andreas Klut and Wolfgang Rentsch, professor emeritus at the University of Magdeburg, who has written extensively about German federalism. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Uh, thank you also. Wolfgang, we're going to start with you. Why is Germany a federalist system where states have so much power? When you look at the German federal system, you have to take into account that it is about 150 years old and that there are special conditions under which the German Federation was founded in 1871 by Bismarck. The principle of the German federal system is to have a common regulation 
primarily by the federal level with the consent of the lender via the Bundesrat, and that the lender implement federal law as their own task and at their own expenses. That is quite different to American federalism in which you have a strict uh, separation according to policy fields and the states or the federation are responsible for the legislation, implementation and financing of the task. That is a fundamental difference between German and American federalism, which plays also a role in the corona crisis. So then which country, I mean, you mentioned the United States. I'm just curious, which system, in your opinion, works better, the German federalist system or the United States version? Oh, this is very difficult to say. Uh, Well, the question, which system is better, is very difficult to answer. Probably we can't answer that because... Uh, When we look at different incidents, for instance, like Katrina in the United States, uh, the different authorities on state level and on federal level had to cooperate, but they didn't have any experience. It was new to them because this kind of cooperation is unknown in the United States. In the German side, you know, the cooperation between the different levels of government, local government, state-like government, and federal government, work quite smoothly together. On the other hand, in a situation like the corona crisis, which was completely new, and the public authorities did not have any experience, the cooperation between the level, also in Germany, did not work quite well. Well, Andreas, you certainly wrote about that this spring, about the pandemic rekindling the struggle Germany has had with federalism in the 21st century. Why was it such a challenge to get the Bundesländer or states to agree on something that is clearly affecting all Germans? I'm not sure it was such a challenge. Um, as Wolfgang mentioned, I mean, or as, as you know, in the U.S. it was even worse. If we look globally for one moment, I mean, there are other federal countries, Brazil, India, and some of them have had much more chaotic uh, pandemics than Germany has, including the U.S., I would say. So Germany in general has coordinated among the 16 states or Lenda. It just wasn't always smooth because that's built into the system. They implemented and they're allowed to go at different speeds and lockdowns and reopenings. And they also had some dueling personalities governing uh, these states who wanted to, uh, you know, posture and set themselves apart, just as you have in any other uh, federal system. So I'm not sure Germany did very badly. I just think it's very German to complain about, you know, however Germany is doing. Compared to other federal systems and even unitary systems, I think Germany has actually done fine. Wolfgang, you wanted to add something? Yes, I would like to add something. Well, that is quite true that Germany did better than many of the other nations. You know, one of the problems was that one could see in the work of the German system that that was a new problem. There was no experience in handling this kind of system. It came in particular clear when on the one hand side, the conference of the head of the government, the prime ministers of the lender plus the chancellor, when they agreed on a common policy and the next day the prime minister did something different. Uh, and that was kind of a race to the bottom. Some of the prime ministers felt that they might get more popular when they did not imply such strict regulation than others. And that was, I think, quite a problematic situation. Andreas, do you think, uh, I mean, obviously there have been some changes because I think at some point Angela Merkel got fed up with this and her government pushed through some regulations that the Bundestag approved. Has this new federally dominated approach been working when it comes to the pandemic, do you think? 
In general, yes. But I have to tell you, Soraya, that's not the question I ask in the federalism debate. If you're asking what's better, a unitary state or a federalism, or if you're asking, as some Germans do now, should we reduce our federalism because it seemed to be working inefficiently, then I think the answer should actually be no. And then other things beyond the pandemic come into it. And if you just change the federalism uh, because of the experience of the last six months, say, then you may regret it when you come to other problems in the future because there is a reason why some countries have evolved federalism as opposed to unitary states, and the main one is freedom. Wolfgang, um, you have mentioned it was a race to the bottom in some cases uh, when it came to this pandemic, or at least that's what it seemed like for those of us watching from the outside. I'm wondering if, other than the pandemic, what are some of the topics in Germany where this questioning of federalism and the approach that Germany takes to governance came into question? Federalism plays a role in particular in education, schooling, and culture. We have one problem with federalism in Germany. The German society is hardly a federal one. You can say Bavaria and Saxony a little bit, but in general, the German society is quite uniform. It's not so different like the societies in Switzerland with four languages, Belgium with three languages, Canada two languages, India, I don't know how many languages. Therefore, the German society is comparatively homogeneous and therefore the German public tends to ask for uniform regulations. And therefore the German public has always problems when the Länder governments regulate different things differently. Soraya, if I, I just want to jump in and... Sure, Andreas, go ahead. I just want to illustrate what Wolfgang just said, which I agree with completely, because, you know, there are degrees of federalism. It's more of a spectrum. If you compare Australia, Switzerland, uh, Canada, these are federalist systems. But let's just compare the U.S., which some of the listeners may know, and Germany. In Germany, the 16 states do have relatively few powers and relatively little autonomy. In the U.S., each state issues its own driver's license, which all American expats hate when they move to Germany, because if they come from some states like Texas, they can swap it for a German driver's license. If they come from others like California, which I did, you have to do a new driver's test. I feel you, Andreas. Yeah. U.S. states um, have their own tax returns and levy their own taxes. The Germans don't. So actually, as Wolfgang said, the Germans have relatively few. They basically delegate powers just in education and a few other enumerated things to the states. And as a result of these recent hiccups, rather than failings, I would say hiccups in the pandemic, they're now thinking about setting precedents that could reduce even that. And I think that's actually a dangerous course for Germans. Andreas, is it fair to say, though, that one of the beneficiaries of federalism in Germany is, in fact, alternative for Germany, which has been voted into every state legislature in addition to the Bundestag? I mean, how has the decentralized system worked to its advantage? I don't think that enters into the conversations, or I, to be honest, because they would have risen in other, in unitary states as well. Remember that almost every country in Western Europe has a populist right-wing party like that. Um, Germany was late to the party, I think mainly for historical reasons, not because of federalism. And I think the AFD probably has already peaked. They're probably going to do worse in this coming federal election than they did in the last one. 
they did enter some regional assemblies. That's what you're driving at. And the, they're stronger in eastern Germany, the former East. And in those Länder, in those states, they play a strong role in the state assemblies. That doesn't give them a larger role in national politics at all, I think. Wolfgang, do you agree? Yes, I guess I agree. And here, uh, federalism might be a force which allows regional differentiation. Also, that might be an advantage for right-wing parties. Um, we get more and more an uneven development in the electoral behavior of the people. You know That, for instance, if you look at Eastern Germany at the last elections, it is quite customary at the moment that the party of the prime minister wins the election regardless of the party he belongs to. And this development offers maybe better chances also for right-wing radical parties. So they do better at the state level, is what you're saying, than at the federal level? Yes, they do better at the state level, in particular because we know that uh, on state level, the so-called second-order level, the electorate is more ready to change uh, the voting behavior, also to vote for radical parties, what they would not do to the same degree on federal level. Well, let me ask both of you, has the federalist system in Germany weakened Berlin's influence on the diplomatic front, especially in Brussels? And Andreas, you can start. No, I don't think so. All democracies basically separate the executive, judiciary, and legislative branches. That's one way of separating power. And federalist states separate it at another level. And they they add what we call veto points, right? So if you had a, shall we say, potential tyrant taking over the country in a federalist system, he or she would run into more problems in taking over that system. And if you just compare, I mean, there, there are very good historical uh, analogies, but if you just look within the European Union today, look, compare Hungary, admittedly a small country, and Germany. And look at both how they've done in the pandemic. Hungary, I think, has the worst death per capita rate in the world, or among them, and Germany, which has done still relatively well. And compare also what's happened in the last 10 years after Viktor Orban took over, and Freedom House, an American think tank, no longer considers Hungary a democracy because he's essentially taken over, you know, reduced liberty in a number of ways, in all branches of government throughout the country. That would not have been possible if he had tried this in Germany because many institutions, including the 16 states, would have stopped him. Wolfgang, what do you think? I mean, do you think that Germany would be stronger on the European Union front or even diplomatically around the world if there was a top-down system, let's say like France, rather than what we have here in Germany? No, I don't think so. Uh, there was a debate about the power of the lender to block federal decisions. And there is also the issue of the German vote on Brussels. But I think, up to my observation, the cooperation between the federal government and the lender worked quite well. In 99% of the cases, it works well. We coordinate our policy, and together we are strong. There are a few cases, indeed, in which this cooperation does not work. You know, in which, you know, Germany has to abstain because there's no agreement between the Federation and the lender. That happens, but that is pretty rare, one have to say. You know, but if you look at other uh, federal systems, Belgium, I don't remember the exact case at the moment, 
but uh, decisions in Brussels were depending on a vote of a regional parliament in Brussels. And uh, I think we didn't have any case in which a decision in Brussels depended on a vote of a German Landtag. That is final in the end, the Bundesrat, which can stop it as a second chamber of the legislature, but not a single parliament in the Länder. You mentioned that uh, there were some cases where, because there was an agreement between the Federation and the Lenda, uh, there couldn't really be a voice offered uh, at Brussels. I'm wondering if you can give some examples of that. Oh, it's a long time ago, therefore I don't remember the exact point. But there was some once an issue about the TV uh, or radio directive, which said that all programs which are allowed in one of the member states have to be allowed in the networks also of the other member states. And that was a decision taken by the federal government when they said yes. The lender complained heavily because radio and TV and press and all that in Germany is a matter of the lender because it's considered as culture. And therefore the lender casted a veto against that. In the end, the federal government abstained, but uh, it was a majority decision, and the decision was taken without Germany. So it was no problem for the federal government. It got what it wanted, and the lender complained. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll tackle the more contentious question about whether it's time to end Germany's federalism. Stay tuned. I'm Rachel Tausendfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Sayed, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Maurice Frank, editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help, providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business, or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner-zeitung.de slash en or just type in Berliner Zeitung English Edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there.
Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and joining me via Zoom are Bloomberg opinion columnist Andreas Klut and Wolfgang Rentsch, professor emeritus at the University of Magdeburg, who has written extensively about the pros and cons of German federalism, which of course is what we're talking about today. Andreas, I'm going to start with you. Is it time to change the power structure in Germany and create a more top-down system? Your April column would suggest no, as did some of your answers earlier, but I'm wondering if you can elaborate a bit on why. The debate in several, not just Germany, several federalist countries is a recurring debate whether federalism is inefficient, for instance. And there is, in fact, uh, some academic research that I came across that crunched the numbers comparing unitary and federalist systems and found that, yes, if you just look at efficiency, that sometimes that is higher, greater in unitary states. That is not the whole story in the debate. And federalism has these other properties. It is a way of just like separating the branches of government, separating the power centers in a country does occasionally slow things down, make things more complicated, but it disperses power. And that is a bulwark or a moat of freedom against potential developments that are populist, autocratic, and so forth. And I've I've mentioned Hungary as an example of a unitary state where within one decade, Viktor Orban, the prime minister, essentially made himself a sort of soft dictator. There are other examples, and, and this would be harder to do. It would be unthinkable in Switzerland, which has a very strong federalism. Even with Trump, there are questions about, and there are questions right now, whether American democracy is healthy. The fact that there was federalism there and that the governors and the states of California and New York and other democratic bastions were able to withstood that and were counterweight was, I think, a positive factor there. And Germany, which has this totalitarian history in particular, and then, by the way, had this almost 900-year history of federalism behind it, knows all too well that these are good reasons to have federalism. It, it, they are layers of insurance against a bad turn that could happen in future. And so I think you shouldn't discard this. I think you should work with it. Germany has been working with it. We will figure these problems out. Pandemic is not the only problem that comes along in world history. Wolfgang, there have been other attempts to reform federalism in Germany. Why did those fail? I mean, why is it so difficult to sort of create a balance that makes more sense uh, from a federal level or from a state level for that matter? We have in the recent years a shift from one side to the other and back in the direction of the lender. We had two federal reforms of 2006 and 2009. And uh, it was an attempt to disentangle the different public tasks so that the Federation could act alone and the lender could act alone. But that did not prove to be efficient. If you take, for instance, uh, the, the research, university research should be done by the lender alone. That did not work. Uh, universities itself did not work on their own, on the lender alone. Social housing did not work on the by the lender alone. So we have come again back to a situation in which in the years 1917, 1918, 1919, a number of these disentanglements have been reversed. And 
the federal government has gained new powers, for instance, in financing certain tasks, in higher education. The federation is meanwhile also allowed to finance school matters, you know. Uh, the federation is financing again social housing. The federation has taken over the administration of some waterways. So in the end, the whole attempt to disentangle the federal structure and to strengthen the agenda ended up in a stronger federation. So that is another push in the direction of centralization. But the story of centralization starts in the 19th century. People complained that the federal government gets stronger and stronger. There's some truth in that. But mostly the federal government did not take over powers of the land. They did it all, they did it, but mostly it were new tasks which couldn't be given to the, uh, to the lender. For instance, when the fathers and mothers of the Grundgesetz met in 1948 and 49, they couldn't think about the use of nuclear power. They couldn't think, in Germany at least, about long-distance air transport that had to be regulated somewhere. And according to the German point of view, did not make any sense to regulate that on state level. And therefore, these new tasks were given to the federal government. Or if, when we see digitalization at the moment, it becomes a federal task, the digitalization of the public administration primarily. So just to uh, clarify for people who might not know that Grundgesetz is the basic law, which is sort of the Bill of Rights, if you will. Uh, the American equivalent would be the Bill of Rights, the closest equivalent, I should say. It's not an identical comparison. But let me ask each of you, are there reforms that you think are necessary to make the system function better? Because obviously at a moment of crisis like the pandemic, it would be helpful not to be having these institutional debates or this, this sort of hand-wringing and going back and forth. I mean, you know, politics are always going to play a role in governance, obviously, the way we're set up in, in democracies. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it seems like maybe there are some changes that could be made that would make it more efficient during times of crisis or just in general with operations. I'm wondering if, if each of you can sort of address that. And Andreas, I'll let you go first. I think Germany in general needs to make a lot of changes, okay? And I'm colonizing about that this week and almost every week. But you're interested in, because it's very bureaucratic, slow-moving, risk-averse, there are blockages everywhere, okay? There's over-regulation. But you're asking specifically about federalism. And federalism, yes, there should be some changes, but not in the principle of federalism as such. But for instance, if you ask me, you know, does it make sense that the medium-sized city of Bremen is its own state, completely surrounded by a much larger state, Lower Saxony? No, I don't think that makes sense. You could ask a similar question about Hamburg and Berlin. Those are the three city-states, you know. So the point of uh, that Wolfgang made earlier, Germany is in general a homogenous society, whereas the U.S. is not, whereas Switzerland is not, India is not. So how much federalism should Germany have it's an open question, but the truth is it already doesn't have that much. I think it should, in a number of areas, have more, because the beauty of federalism is it allows experiments, laboratories of reform. You know, for a long time, the U.S. was a slouch in environmental policy and climate policy, except for California, which pushed ahead and set the pace almost. And you could have something similar in education reform that happened in India, the state of Kerala forged ahead. You could have that in Germany if you allowed some of these regions 
to have more autonomy, uh, a place like Baden-Württemberg could set positive examples in a number of ways. So I would say reduce the number of states, but still keep them and in some ways give them even more power. Wolfgang, what do you think? Reduce the number of states and give them more power? Or do you think there are other reforms? Partly I do agree, but not totally. I don't believe that a change of the structure of the lender would make such a difference. I don't think, in particular in the pandemic, the city-states, uh, Berlin, Hamburg, and Bremen, did best because the coordination between the local level and the state level were better than in the other lender. But I think the big advantage of the German federalism is that the German citizen has to deal his whole life long, nearly exclusively, with the local city hall, independent of who made the law. So the local government administer land law as well as federal law, and therefore the citizens go there. In the United States, you have to go to a federal building when you have an issue which is regulated by federal level. You have in Germany an integrated structure of supports, you know, which apply all kinds of laws. And I think that is a big advantage. In the end, the citizen hardly knows so very well where the law comes from, the land law or a federal law. And I think that is an advantage for the citizen. It makes the life for citizens easier. Uh, when you ask me for what has to be changed, I think the prime weakness of the German federal system in which the lender obliged to deliver equivalent living conditions, you know, so they're nearly the same, but they do have different fiscal powers. So the poor land, like lenders in the East, have to provide the same services like a rich country, like Baden-Württemberg or Bavaria. And that is a big problem. That is a point why the lender, the weak lender, go to the federal government and say, federal government, help us because we can't fulfill our tasks. Why Bavaria and Baden-Württemberg can say, well, we don't have any problems, we can finance it on our own. Mm -hmm. And therefore, federal government keep out. And we have always this coalition between the federal government and the weak lender. And if it would be possible to bring the weak lender via the fiscal equalization system on another level, on the same level like the rich lender, I think we do, would not have the deficiencies we have seen in the recent years. And uh, then we can think about more powers for the lender, whether they can do certain things on their own or not. But as long as we have this gap between the rich and the poor lender, I don't think we will see uh, much change. Andreas, one last question here is about uh, the upcoming federal elections. Do you expect that this issue of state power versus federal power is something that's going to be taken up by the next government? No, I don't think it'll be a big issue either in the campaign or in the next government for different reasons. First of all, it's not, if you ask Germans, what, what are the big issues? What are the crises we have to deal with? This isn't on top. A few years ago, it was migration. Obviously, now it's the pandemic. And, and there are other things. I've, foreign policy is never a big issue, but it's a slightly bigger issue than it was before. Federalism just isn't uh, such a concern that they would tackle it first. And if you think, even once the new government gets sworn in, if you think what 
the priorities that everyone agrees on are. If it, it's a black-green government, green-black, it doesn't even matter what the combination is. The pandemic is number one. Climate is number one. Dealing with Russia, possibly China, uh, is number three. There are pipelines to be decided on. They will be so busy. Federalism reform is a slow-moving <laughs> beast. Once you get started, you'll be there for two or three terms before something big happens. And I don't think the Germans are concerned enough that you can easily form a consensus to make constitutional changes. I just, so I don't think they will change anything, to be honest. Wolfgang, do you agree? Yes, there is hardly any pressure for federal reform. Maybe uh, there will be a commission one day, and they will work for many years and uh, the results Well, we'll see whether they have, uh, produce the science or not. One final thought. I think the federalism, in a way, exists at another level in Europe, in the European Union. And I think if they're going to tackle this issue of how the parts relate to the whole, because that's what federalism is about, that's the level for which they'll save their ammo, the Germans. And the Germans, with their federalist experience, I think have a better sense for this at all. So I think Laschet and Baerbock, the candidates of the Blacks and Greens, respectively, have hinted that they might be open to treaty change, that's the word, at the European level, you know, to, to opening the treaties. And I think the case for, you know, whether to integrate more at the EU level or keep more autonomy with the states, that Federalist debate, that is much more urgent and overdue than the internal German one. And I think, if anything, that's the one that'll come up in the next term. Well, that is uh, true, I think. But we have also to see that the interests of the different lenders are different. For the big ones, Bavaria and also in Westphalia, Baden-Württemberg, which have the size of many member states of the European Union, even still larger, and also in Westphalia, would be, I think, the sixth largest member states of the European Union, if it was independent, these big ones have a certain interest to have a role which would be comparable to national states on the European level. While the small ones, you know, like in the East, but also in the West, are quite happy if they are under the umbrella of the federal government, and can use you know, the links via the federal government to bring in their interests in Brussels. Therefore, also in this question, the lender are split in two camps. That was Wolfgang Rentsch, professor emeritus at the University of Magdeburg, who is an expert on German federalism. My other guest was Bloomberg opinion columnist Andreas Klut. Thank you to you both for joining me today. Thank you, Soraya. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partners, the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Berliner Zeitung, English edition. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple, we would love for you to write a review on Common Ground. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. 